Welcome back to The Mix with Matt and Dan. This is episode four. We're four episodes in, but we have two episodes from your dad. That's right. How are we going to do that? Well, I don't know. We try, you know, did we want to create a whole nother stream or did we want to create this ass whooping of like mixing it into the current mix? I think their flavor, like go, like that's an extra special offer. That's why people tune into the mix, Dan, because they don't know what they're going to get. Are they going to get get. two idiots talking or are they going to get like the world's (laughs) best guest with the most epic stories that he just happens to remember? Happens to have. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a nice resource. It's good. But today you get two idiots talking about marketing. Uh, but if you want, go definitely listen to Randy, uh, Rusty Bruchet talk about being the sound guy for Led Zeppelin. Yeah, pretty solid. It's pretty. Not only fun? that, I mean, did you have like, fun at that? that. That was like the only, you know, it's that's so small when you look at comparatively what he did in his career. But like, it's the only thing that gets like attention. You know, like, hey, listen to my overly technical father talk about engineering and how you prototype products doesn't sell as well. Right. right? But it's but fascinating it, when you actually listen to him. Oh, man, the guy can go on for like, we're going to do, I think, easily maybe a total of 10 hours or something. Yes. And it's like, he's got it in the bag. And I, my whole life, have listened to those stories. So getting them documented is a real treat for me. Hey, I have an idea, Matt. I think like zoos that have flamingo habitats should have little plastic suburbanites out in front of the flamingos. Why? What do you mean suburbanites? <laughs> What's a suburbanite? It's a joke. Think about all the flamingos in the yards. Yeah. Like the flamingos should have little people in their yards. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mix in far more comedy. I think uh, that's, that's my new approach to um, As I mix. emerge, I, I should let people know I'm, I'm emerging from a real concussion. Yeah, tell us. Uh, so Matt's minute this week is going to be about, he's going to tell us about a concussion that he had. Because he's not been Matt for the last two weeks. Yeah, two weeks for sure. He's been Matt Light. Yeah. Matt confused. Yeah, I look at people and they look at me and they think I'm saying something and I'm really just hearing silence. Yeah, do your Matt's Minute on uh, what it's like to be concussed. Well, I, it's really weird thing because like uh, I have a video. You know what I'll do? I'll post the video. Yeah, post the video. It's pretty yeah. wild. So, I mean, it's out of the blue. It's, you know, it's not that sensationalized, but in a traditional it's fashion. It's a wreck. Yeah, it's a wreck. And what's even more epic for me is that I don't even have to go to Russia to get the dash cam because there's some guy from Russia, delivery driver, who has a dash cam, and he has the whole thing on video. That, to me, was the most epic part of the whole wreck that happened. Yeah, the Russian guy emerging from his car and going, yeah, I have video. I have video. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I was like, I was completely dazed. You can even see me stumbling so you out got the rear-ended. At a, I did. Guy, guy had to be going 60 miles an hour. He did. And... There's a couple things I find fascinating about it. When I gave my police report, I was dead convinced I was at a dead stop. Like yeah, I was like, video oh. says no way. You yeah. were you were going 15 maybe. Yeah, 15, 20. You know, somewhere in there. Easily, I was moving. You were merging on an on ramp onto the highway, and this guy jumped over into the 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 off ramp. He, he used yeah. it as an off ramp and just slammed into behind you, in the back of you. Yeah, going like 60. Yeah, yeah. My, I haven't had my car for like three weeks now. That's like, you know, it's like the ass whooping of this, of just not your life being disrupted by other people is insane. But I think what was really confusing to me about the whole process is, this is what the people said, the doctors, is that, you know, you weren't prepared for it. And so, like, the consequences of getting hit like that were worse because I wasn't able to brace or hold my neck muscles. Instantly, 15 minutes out of it. I'm completely dazed. 
for 15 minutes. I'm not really even capable of making decisions. Like, I am completely concussed at that point, right? And if we had been in football drills back when I was in football, we would have just run it off or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but now we Yeah, know. but, like, you can run into the goalpost, but the goalpost don't slam into the back of your head. Yeah. Well, I've been hit with, you know, like, childhood fights when I was a kid. You know, we used to hit each other in the back of the head with textbooks. That was the fun thing that we did. That's funny. Yeah, concussions can be uh, entertainment for children. <laughs> That's right. That lifelong headache you have. Um, so you've so been concussed. You got hit. That's an interesting. Like, you know, we could talk about that if we wanted. Like what? Like part of the this. thing about professional work is you don't. You're not always at your best game, but you still have to deliver at a professional level. Yeah, you can't tell been, clients. I've been, I've been off. Like right. I have not had good ideas for the last week and a half. I've been like, huh? Yeah, no, we should definitely do something like that, you know? <laughs> and I have no idea what I'm agreeing to. I talk to people and make agreements with people. I can't literally remember what we just talked about. It's ridiculous. Let me ask you a question. You come from the, uh, the car, you got hit, and then you got somebody with uh, the rubber gloves coming up to you because the fire engine got called and the ambulance got called. Do you go to the hospital? No, nobody wants to go to the hospital. You do everything you can to not go to the hospital. Truth is, I wasn't really in the right state of mind to make right. that you decision. Right, deci- you had to make that decision. Yeah. That's hey. what they always do to those. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you who just got hit in the head, you want to go to the hospital? Huh? No, I don't, I don't want to go to the hospital. Why would I go to the hospital? But is it being weak? Is it like nowadays are we too weak? Because back in the day... There was no, no such thing as a concussion. Like, your dad could have taken a slam at 60 miles an hour and walked away, like, oh, no concussion. No concussion, man. No <laughs> concussion. You know, he would have paid for the car that he dent because he got hit, right? Did you ever get the, did you ever go to the doctor? Yeah, I've been to multiple doctors now. I'm going to the doctor again next week. I'm going to multiple doctors every week because I've had, I've had problems. So what did they say? You have a concussion. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing to do. What's the protocol? You just wait? Yeah, you ice it. You know, ice the back of your neck or something. Seems like there should be more than that. I'm going to do some research for you in the paleo community about concussions. I'm sure they've got it all worked out. I'm sure they do. Ice baths. Ice baths? Yeah, they'd probably throw you in an ice bath. I'd get in an ice bath if you tell me it would make my head hurt less. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's the uh, first thing that happened this um, last since the last podcast. Yeah. That's the most significant thing. One of, even, one of the founders of 500 Rockets is now maimed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's what we want to put out there. That, oh, yeah, the, the, he was good. but No, yeah. you're coming back. Yeah. You're, you're not going away for, forever. It's fair. It's only a concussion. It's only a concussion. But the guys in the NFL do it all the time. Yeah, they make millions. Why can't I? Well, we'll see. So... Um, it's been an interesting week for us. We uh, signed up a new client this week, right? Well, we did a discovery meeting this week with a brand new client. Yep. Which is always interesting to come into somebody else's world. Like we did a two-hour discovery meeting on Thursday. And we walked in there. And we have a whole recording mic setup, which came from Rusty Bruchet. That's right. And it's awesome. Yeah, the sound man for Led Zeppelin has been <laughs> demoted to the sound man for 500 Rockets Marketing. Yeah. So... Uh, it's, we were way over-teched, put it this way. Like, everything we do is pristine in our yeah. tech. Our backup tech sounded amazing. Like, normally you have a couple, like, in, you know, in real tech, you have your pr- production level, and then you kind of have backups to the backup. Because if you don't get it, you don't get it. 
our backups to the backup crystal clear? Crystal clear. So one of the things we've developed here like as a product offer is, and we're still in the middle of doing some of the ideation on it uh, to actually bring it to life for a client right now, is information gathering so that you can do information dispersal on the Internet, right? Like mm-hmm. you become a content library of really high-quality content, and people come and find you organically all the time to answer their questions. Yeah, and in some ways, there's a lot of data that's actually pushing us towards that as the only option. That right? is that is the prime SEO option. Yeah, I mean, the advertising channels that are available uh, are really, they, they work for some people, and when they work, it's magical, right? Because you can pump money into the front end and pump more money out the back end of the machine. And, you know, that, that opportunity is becoming less and less. But and the real spine, the real architecture of long-term awareness like being illuminated on the internet where people find you when they go on the internet is a strong content library. Yeah, I mean, you know, since the information age is dawn, the dawn of the information age, say that a little bit more clear, uh, having expert-level content has just been a winner. And a lot of it. A lot of it, yeah. In fact, you can actually see a, a, a... a changing of the guard from old style of doing business to new style was was very disruptive in the market. A lot of businesses that really felt that their expert content was proprietary or not something that should right. go out there really suffered when idiots got on the web and started talking about all the things that they thought that they had that was proprietary. Well, and it's the same way with gurus in general. Like anybody that has a specialized knowledge like, I'm, I have a big background in the paleo community, and the guy who kind of started it, Lauren Cordain, put up a firewall, a pay firewall on all his content. And instead, like, all these little sub-guys around him who had worked for him and things like that just extracted his content and gave it away for free on their sites. Yep. So they've become big, well-known entities in that community. And Lauren Cordain looks like this wizard sitting, you know, in a tower that nobody ever gets to talk to. Right. Useless. Yes. Yeah, and you know, putting exclusivity on top of that content is very difficult because when you look at expert level content, it's very rarely macro level, right? Like real things you look for in the internet are often like micro micro content. Yeah, micro content, like little tidbits that just like what to you... do when you get a concussion. Yeah, like exactly. Did you do like... that? You you surely googled this. Um, no comment. <laughs> but that's what everybody does with like their medical need knowledge. Yeah, you go to yeah WebMD and you look up like what do you do with a concussion and self-diagnose and say no, I don't need to go to the hospital. <laughs> and all the doctors who are listening, all three of them are like, "You're an idiot," you know. And all the people who work in insurance are like, "You're an idiot," you know. Like, right. should have gone to the hospital because right? there's 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 a clear dis- distinction between real expertise. We've talked about this, like me coming from academics. I've seen real experts who know every single thing about something. Yeah, in fact, that's actually one of my favorite things about working with you. I've worked with several PhDs in my life. I've really been fortunate. You've seen my mentor now. Like, if you've listened to the podcast, you know what it's like talking to my father. My father is an expert. Right, a true expert. A true expert. Even a super expert. Yeah, beyond that. He remembers the frequency of the laser he worked on at TI. You know, that's in the podcast. He literally drops that in the podcast. Like, oh, yeah, we're working on this frequency, da-da-da-da-da, of this laser for these things that we're doing. He remembers it at that level because he was there in that moment. Working with people who are PhDs who have that level of expertise, 
really blows your mind at how ex- exhaustively they know something. They don't know anything else. <laughs> no, you can only your brain can only absorb a certain amount in certain areas. Right. Especially at that depth because there's so much information about every single topic when you start going down into micros and the history of it and the variations of it and to know all of that like you literally don't have the time to study that much. Right. Yeah, that's right. And so do you think what do you think being a PhD means? Like is the, is like the, the point of saying I have a PhD that I have exhaustively taken this cog and I know every part of this thing or, or what is, is that it? Or cause that seems to be a consequence or a side effect of having a PhD. Well, people get PhDs just become obsessed with a content area. It's an obsessive, obsessive, you know, activity. And once you're obsessed with something to turn that into valuable knowledge that can get you somewhere in the world, you've got to elevate your packet of knowledge above everybody else's, or at least up to the level where, you know, people will come to you um, instead of the competitors. So, like, a, a PhD is really just a constant, constant encouragement and also a constant, um, you know, a dangling carrot about how good can you get with your information. Yeah. That's, that's the only way you become valuable. You can go and sell it in schools to 18-year-olds, but they can really absorb about 2% of what you know. And most people don't like teaching just 2% of what they know. It becomes frustrating. What you want is people that want 98% or 90%. They want to get in there with you. But when you start uh, trying to figure out what to do with that level of knowledge, that's why the Internet is interesting. And when you look at marketing, even even our podcast, like we're probably giving out mostly mid-crow information, maybe a little micro. Um, that's one of my rhetorician things is I created... Uh, macro, mid-crow, micro, because mid-crow was missing yeah. as an explanatory concept, and it works perfectly. It's that middle-level information where you write sentences and you make claims uh, and you give out information, but you're not diving into the micro stuff yet. And most of the stuff on the Internet gets fairly mid-crow. And one of the things I think is interesting about the way you approach this is because you're from a tech background, like the stuff we were learning out for the client the other day, you are pulling out exact commands and actual code that you can put into the blog post to tell people how to do something. Mm-hmm. And that, that micro level is what you need in order to be actionable in a, in a way that's, that's actually functional and useful. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you're the, there's a lot of forces that come into play right now that I find fascinating. And I don't know if other people do as well, but... You know, you have all these product managers like at Google and all these big companies, Facebook, all this stuff, building all of these marketing tools, and they're making them really simple to use. Like, big buttons, do this, put your money in here, do this, and you're going to be... And they're still insanely complicated, but there's this massive force pushing them towards the market, right? And then you have all these other people who don't have the bandwidth to learn all the things that they need to learn. Like, what does a plumber need to understand about Facebook marketing? Right, like think about all the things you have to know. Right, as but a all the, but that's the big challenge for entrepreneurs, right? Is they they end up saying, "I need this," so I'll just dive in and do it, and they get misinformation, misknowledge, right? Instead of actually, you know, having actionable, clear knowledge, which again is why they pay companies like us to come in and go. Like we we don't know how to do pay per click, or it's not really working, and like, well, yeah, we know a lot about that. We'll come in and you know move some dials around for you. That kind of specificity of, of knowledge when you're dealing with something important becomes absolutely essential. Yeah, it's, um, 
very difficult to um, – I kind of lost my thought on what I was going to say. So that's not a good idea. Well, that's a good time to take a break. We're going to let uh, concussed Matt uh, gather his thoughts, so and we'll be brutal. right back. You know what it's like losing thoughts all the time? <laughs> yeah, oh. I do. Whenever I don't sleep, that's what my brain does. All right, we'll be right back with the mix. <laughs> Welcome back to The Mix with Matt and Dan. We are talking about information wrangling. And Matt, did you remember what your concussed point was? I have no idea. But I think the main point that I want to say is that concussions are real. (laughs) They're a real thing. Well, in some ways, it's kind of illustrative of our discussion. Like controlling information and saving information and being able to reaccess information is why people use the internet. It's a prime reason why people get on other than porn. And controlling that information um, when, a, when a company does it and when they own an information lake, and there's like everybody's like, yeah, that's where you go to get that information, it does incredible things for that company online. It does. So give us an example. Like DigitalOcean is that way, right? Yeah, they are. I use them a lot for hosting and for servers and for other things. But... One of the things they do really well is micro-level content. You know, like they have a really solid approach to, they just were like, yeah, all right, well, let's just write down all these computer commands. Now, whether they accidentally got into that or whether or not they knew that that was a good SEO strategy or good whatever, it's a great SEO strategy because you want to know something very micro, very minimal, and you go there and you get the answer. And the traffic generates more of that, right? Like they're probably generating tens of millions of hits per month just on their SEO strategy. And it's eternal for the most part. Like when you write a piece of quality content, people are going to be needing that kind of that content over and over again across years. Yeah. If you go to most, like we do analytic audits, right? So we go into people's websites and we look at, and there's a lot of ways to toggle the switches in analytics that are not more truthful would be a better way to say it, right? Like you can get more truthful data out of your analytics if you get really rigorous in how you actually look at the data and look at channels and where the data comes from or where the traffic comes from. And most people have actually hit on success when you look at their analytics. You know, you look at their content strategy and nobody knows what works, right? Well, do we tell too much about our product? Are we not tell enough? Or do we do macro level content? Do we do industry state type content? Are we putting ourselves out there as a thought leader? Like, what really works on the internet? And when you are thrash, thrashing around trying to figure it out and just putting a lot of money towards your content strategy, it's most likely that you've accidented into, right. you know, several little pockets of success. And those pockets of success are actually probably where you should think about your macro level strategy rather than... Uh, changing the type of content. Well, and that's part of our approach here at 500 Rockets is to find a true signal in the data and then use that to drive build afterwards, Yeah, after, like, after that point where you we, find it. What we're desperate for now is signal. So you look at something like DigitalOcean and you look at their SEO, and I have not looked at their traffic. I, if I did an audit on their traffic, I'm, I'm sure it would show this. 
just based on how I use the internet, I can tell you that I am a prolific user of some of these pages that they've created, um, is that it gives them so much signal that now it becomes an asset, right? It becomes a beacon inside the company, right? Because now you have these pages, you know, they don't have to go to like a trends.builtwith or some other aggregator of which technology is the most important to their business because they can go to their SEO and say, oh, that configuration on this server had 7 million hits per month and this page over here with this configuration only had 300,000. Even though this configuration is really big and this new company is using it on TechCrunch or, or Hacker News or it's getting a lot of play, it's not really getting a lot of play in the market. Right. So your insight into how the people are, you know, this is what we've given away as worldwide citizens with all of these tech companies like Facebook and these Snapchats and Instagram and all these other companies. We've given away signal. That's all we've given away. The most important thing. Right. Well, and when you go and try to figure out what the messaging actually needs to be for a company in order to reach a target and move that target in the direction that you want, you know, having the actual signal so that you don't have to guess at it or you don't have to use your own expert intuition, which is still just a guess, you know, having the signal that says, hey, when you say this to this 14-year-old kid, they do this, you know, they buy this game. Right. And, you know, it's it's that kind of strong signal that lets you really make the creative decisions uh, much more safely and, yeah, and effectively. When that, when that happens across demographics, across psychographics, you know, when it happens across your kind of marketing spectrum of how you can segment people and you say, oh, wow, this is a real trigger for people. And you have 14-year-old kids in Alabama, in California, in Alaska, and you have all of these different things that are triggering off of this one feature, this one thing, because uh, we're all kind of centralized on the web, you you get massive profitability, right? right. Like it's not kind of, it's like, but it, the, the impetus of that massive profitability is the signal. And the way to hack that signal is to profess your expertise. So, you know, in our world, well, and, it, and demonstrate your expertise. Yeah. Like a lot of people profess it. They right. just don't demonstrate it over time, again and again, at depth, in useful ways so that people will go and find it organically. You don't have to tell them to go find it. They'll search it out and you show up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, you know, when you do that, if you have, um, you know, there's some technologies or, or some businesses that that works better on than others, right? I mean, if you have an information-based, complicated type business, then it, it's typically far more successful uh, with, those, with that strategy. But it takes time, you know? And one of the things that people come to us for is they come to us with this massive, disorganized, unsequenced way of dealing with all of these problems. They've either made decisions because they didn't have the ignorant decisions, which is not a bad way of saying it. They just didn't know better. They just, hey, we need this. So we made a decision and we move forward. Totally reasonable in entrepreneurism. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Almost um, all decisions in entrepreneurism are made without information. Yeah, that's right. High so, quality yeah, information. That's, that's right. And so when you get around, like, you know, you get into the high quality groups that share high quality information, Y Combinator would be a good example. Startup School would be a good example of that. Uh, you get a better network of people, which means you get better 
answers to your ignorant, infor, you know, your ignorant decision-making process, right? But that's all it is. It's just a network of increasing your level of ignorance, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like your level of access to solving those problems. But most people come to us, and it's like a ball of yarn that's all knotted up, and we have to kind of sequence it out. We have to straighten the arrow. Whatever metaphor you want to use, we have to have a way of saying, okay, here's where you are. That's our analysis process. How do I, what are the steps I take to unwind this? Right. And when you get down to that, I mean, we get giving it away free, really, is that you have to go back to where the signal is and you have to build to your signal. And, yeah. You know, that's and hard. I, I noticed this. I talked about this earlier in the week that to me, marketing, building marketing, the more and more I've done it is like, you walk into a room and, and turn on the light and stomp and 500 mice go in 500 different directions. And how do you control all that so that you can get those f- mice to go maybe down five channels so that all the mice are saying the same thing? They're all, all that energy is driven in a, a very precise direction towards the target that needs to hear certain things in order to convert. And when you start trying to build this stuff yourself, like during our discovery meeting this week with our new client, I, it was two hours, and I don't know how long the transcript will be, but I took notes for the first probably 75 minutes until I was just completely overloaded with information because these guys have been running this company for, what, five years? Yeah, maybe longer. Maybe they, longer. Been in for a while. And they know every single thing about their business. They're constantly going to seminars. They're dealing with actual you know, installs where they learn everything that, that goes right and wrong. The depth of their knowledge is incredible, and they started – sharing that with us in a 90 minute to 100 to two hour meeting the amount of information was completely an overload and almost every business deals with that if you look at the raw amount of information that that business has about itself and its products and its services that is never organized down to a way where it's manageable in the messaging and that's the first thing is like managing that amount of information to get it into the messaging so that people actually understand what you do and who yeah, you are. And then taking that information and putting it in a way that creates more dynamic situations for your business. Like that's really hard. Taking all your knowledge, putting it into a static form. How do I take all of the value of what you know, write it into a brochure, write it under the website, put it into advertising, and then get the conversation started with people who are interested in the value you bring. Yeah, and the, this podcast is an example of this. I've produced a lot of podcasts when I was in L.A., and the challenge is doing pre-production, where you go in beforehand, you block everything out, you kind of write a script, you let everybody know what's happening so everybody prepares so that the information flow is organized. And we're not really doing that much of that, that, uh, that process on this podcast because it's such, it's such a huge amount of work to yeah. gather information, organize it, and control it. And then trying to make it quality so oh, that yeah. you're adding in flavor. And people and, listen and they're like, nah. nah. People, you know, if people are interested in this topic and they find us interesting, they'll listen. Yeah. But for us, this really is a content flow play. This is us getting content out into the world. Right. Letting people introduce, you know, be introduced to us, understanding how we think about things, whether or not we bring something unique that they think would be a value of them. If we achieve that goal, then I think this is overall a success. Well, and there's lots of information in this podcast. It's not consumptionized. And this is what people, when you look at what information wrangling really means these days, like everything has become consumption. We are all trained to be consumers in this culture. 
which means our expectations for whatever gets delivered to us have changed. We have very strong expectations on things like uh, simplicity. Like complexity comes from the fact that you're getting too much, too fast, it's not organized, there's flaws in it, there's mistakes in it, you got to decide all this different stuff. People can't handle that anymore because they're, they're consumers, even with their learning. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff around AI um, and kind of the future of the brain, like, you know, microchips in the brain. And, uh, you know, Elon Musk talks or alludes to a lot of these kind of conversations going on. He's a good access point into that world where you're talking about the real heady people who are theorizing, how are you going to connect, like the Kurzweil's, you know, like you're going to have a chip in your brain that you just basically go rent time from the cloud you know, I got to do this processing. Let me go rent the time and then it'll come back and I'll be wireless and in your brain. And Yeah, it sounds great. You yeah, know, but the human, the, the reality is human humans' limitations with information are incredible. Like we see ourselves as geniuses, which is in a lot of ways true, the smartest thing that's ever been on this planet as far as a processor. But the limitations of it are yeah. incredible. Yeah, and most of it comes down to throughput, right? Like we don't really have the capacity... I mean, this is where you get into the counting of threes. Like, you know, everybody who wants to put marketing together is like, I've got all this knowledge and I need you to say it in a word, you know? Like, yeah, okay, that's how words work. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, and you look at the fragility, again, of our storage re receptacle. Mm -hmm. You know, you get concussed and for two weeks you can't think as well. You can't access that information. I always said, like, I went and got a PhD. It took me 18 years of school to get all the way through this or longer, at least 10 years of grad school, um, between all the different things I did. And then, like, the day after I got my degree, I was going to take a walk, and somebody was going to hit me in the head with a baseball, and it's all gone, you know, because it's just ephemeral when it's in your head. Mm -hmm. And you can't get everything that's in your head out into the world. Like, I've been writing, and I've been doing teaching and stuff for 30 years, and I still, every day, I'm like, oh, that's an interesting idea. I need to follow up on this. And things like podcasts allow you to verbalize, which is a, probably a better stream of consciousness way to get information out. But then it becomes not a product because it's not as organized and people can't consume it. So you got to go back in and clean it up. Let's get a transcript. Let's look at you know, all the different stuff that actually organizes information. And for us, when we look at this as a product you know, that 500 Rockets offers, it really is that sort of theoretical understanding of what information is how to organize it, and then how to make it useful to people on the Internet. Because that's the big play that eventually wins this game for a company. If you are the place that it organizes, you're the information farm for, this, for people, they will go and learn your company and visit your site and get your ads and all that stuff over and over and over. Yeah, but it takes, you know, like the, you know, in old advertising, it was always like, wow, you got to say it at least seven times and da 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 da. And, you know. Yeah, but they were saying nothing. They were saying ads. They weren't giving information. Yeah, no, this is even, but I, in some ways, it's even harder. It is. Right? Like, not it's only a lot does, more work. Not only do you have to tell me this micro level thing of exactly what I want to know and exactly how, you know, whatever you know, this really random piece of information that happens to be in your level of expertise, I've got to come back to it like 20 times before I trust you. And it's got to work for me every single time. That's what I mean by consumption expectations. We are all consumers, and that's the level of our expectation of something. Yeah. And it's incredibly hard to hit. But you see these massive companies like Amazon and things who have trained people to have those kind of expectations, that I can hit a button right here, and if... 
I don't see immediately where my package is every second, and I don't see the guy's face and the hair on his arms carrying my package, then I'm being cheated. Right. And that's what's happened to information. Yeah. You know, and so when you when you use that as sort of the bellwether for whether a company is giving out good information or not, this idea that I'm just going to turn on a camera and just talk a little bit on YouTube about stuff, that's not that's not expertise. That is not quality information that's right. turned into consumption information. Yeah, you know how hard it is to say something smart. <laughs> it takes it takes forever, you know, to come up with one sentence that embodies the point that you're trying to make. Well, and then add this in, because my other background is entertainment. People don't want you to just give them information. They want you to be entertaining and interesting while you do it. Yeah. Like, if you ever listen to a bad, you know, a teacher knew what they're talking about, but had no, you know, communication skills, that's, that's an issue. The communication load on internet knowledge is massive as well. Mm-hmm. So... All right, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back. Uh, we're going to do a shorter version today because uh, we have a client coming in. We are Matt and Dan with uh, The Mix. back with Matt and Dan on The Mix, and we're talking today about content wrangling and what happens when you get a concussion and you try to control content, and it's, it's a challenge, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, it's an ass-whooping. I'm looking forward to like the next one of these we do. People hear just the crystalline sharpness that is usually Matt Boucher. Again, they can say, oh my God, that guy's really, he's really Man. good. Man, he's with it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not not claiming that today. No, you've been fine. You've gotten better. I can I can see it over the last two weeks. The but first really, couple of days, you were very much in a daze. Yeah, not only my body hurt. Like you know, wrecks are a thing. Who knew getting hit by a car hurt? Who knew? Like sixty miles an hour of a two thousand pound you know metal block hitting you would hurt. Certainly not the sixteen year old kid who hopped out of the car. <laughs> it was like, what did he, he asked you what to do? He did. He was a nice kid though. He just messed up. Yeah. I mean, if you look on the video, he literally jumped two white lines, you know, to get into the lane that he wasn't supposed to get into yet Mm -hmm. at the speed that he would, nobody would ever enter an off lane like that at that speed at six, unless they're 16. I got some questions. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You know, like, uh, how'd that happen? You know, you kind of look at it and you're like, uh, how'd that happen? (laughs) Like, what were, what were the six things happening before (laughs) that one happened? But, you know, sometimes... You know what actually happened? Because I've, I've driven that a couple of times now. I've thought about it as I've come over there. That's a ridge, mm-hmm. and you're coming around a corner there. You can't really tell if there's a car in front of you that there are other cars getting off right there. Like, you expect that other lane to be going at the same speed. So I can tell you a story about me almost killing a guy on a motorcycle and us having a spiritual moment together as a result of that. That sounds like a better wreck. Yeah, it sounds like a better almost wreck. Uh, so my house has a really subtle turn it starts to the right right when you pull up to my house and there was a car in front of me taking that turn and I just you know I'd lived here 12 what 15 years or something and I just never processed that there was a slight turn there there's a car in front of me taking that turn and it covered up many feet of the motorcycle driving on the road going the out you know towards us right like the car just gave you a blind spot 
as just enough. Yeah. yeah, just enough to stay like, you know, he must have been going a fourth of a mile that would be normally in your visibility, but because of the way the turn is in the car, it just wasn't there. So, you know, I just whip into my house, which is taking a left across his whatever, and, you know, he had to slam on the brakes of the motorcycle in order to do it. And it was one of those turns that I've taken 10,000 times, right? Because you obviously you're driving home, you're pulling into your driveway. But it was just seeing it from a different point of view. You just lost that visibility into that road, you know? He slammed on his brakes. I stood in my yard, my hands out, like, bro, I didn't see you. You know what I mean? Right. And he was making decisions as to whether or not he was going to get off the hog and uh, <laughs> come, you know, give me a lesson or two about the way the world works. But uh, it was a... It was an interesting moment, you know. So did he get off? Did y'all talk? He believed me. We, you know, my the look on my face and my body language. You know, ninety percent of that communication comes through <laughs> your body language, and you know, you get into those moments. You know, you say you're sorry with your body language because we couldn't hear each other. It was like one of those moments where he was on the overly done Harley, and to my point, he was wearing a black helmet and a black stupid leather jacket on a black bike, right? Which let me just be honest. I'm not a motorcycle rider. Not a good idea. Yeah, that, um, that does sound like a moment. There are all sorts of moments like that constantly happen. My kid and I got, like, he's 16 and he's getting ready to drive, so now I'm teaching him while we drive. <laughs> and That's got to be good for you. Oh, it's great. It's fine. But I drive him home from school every day on the highway, and somebody, I cut somebody off um, on the highway when I was getting off on the off ramp and it was kind of the same thing. I didn't really see her. And then she followed us uh, off the off ramp and jumped in front of us when we were driving and slammed on her brakes to teach me a lesson. And I'm laughing and Zeke's like, what's she doing? I'm like, she's teaching us a lesson to not cut her off because it's the end of the work day. And that's the worst time to deal with humanity because they've, they've sponged up all this stress all day long, and now they're in a 2,000-pound weapon, mm-hmm. you know, with everybody else just trying to get home to release all this tension. And so between the work and driving and then home where they release that tension, that's the worst time to deal with humanity. Yeah. And so she, yeah, she, she tried to, you know, make me run into the back of her to teach us a lesson about slightly cutting her off in traffic. Mm-hmm. So it's also like a lot of psychological, uh, social lessons for kids when they start to drive. It's like, yeah, don't get upset. Like, just wave at her and say, hey. That's my favorite is when people do that. I try and pull in front of them and then wave, you know, just as a thank you for letting me over. So let's get to, uh, let's finish up here. Uh, This is a big topic, and it's one we're going to talk about again because it is one of our product lines that we're really starting to develop strongly. Uh, handling information and making it so that it works for you as a business as opposed to chokes you and constantly challenges every decision and confuses everything as a business is a, is a real thing. And figuring out like, you know, like the high-tech audio that we have is a good way to gather information, like letting people verbalize their expertise. And then we take that and we give it to writers because those are two very different skills to handle information. The problem is people are always trying to write their own information, and they're not exactly writers. Mm-hmm. But writers don't have that information. So finding some kind of technology and some technique to let us harvest that information and then groom it in the, in the right way is how you get it to where it's consumption level and people will actually Yeah, but I mean the next it. level of that is not only 
wrangling all that massive amount of information and giving it topography, right? Like actually finding out what are the high and the low points, what's important and what's not important, but then structuring it in a way that ends up being persuasive to your target market. And with the nature of information and the nature of the internet and then delivering that kind of information, there are just strategies that work better than others. And what we should talk about some of what, you know, d deep dive into those strategies uh, that we've kind of alluded to today, because I think there's a lot of meat on that bone uh, for people to listen to and kind of put into their own businesses thinking about how to be more successful. Yeah, there definitely is. And I think that's one of the things when we talk about the difference between mid-crow information and micro information, this is a topic that's mid-crow about, you know, information is very valuable to companies right now. It illuminates you to consumers. If they believe you're an expert uh, resource and you've created a library, they will go to you as a resource and that will create a relationship between you two. And that's how you want to sell. You want to sell to an existing relationship, not a brand new relationship with an ad. That system really doesn't seem to work very well anymore uh, in our world. So I mean it works. It Don't works, but it's not the same it's not the same way that it's been for a long time. Consumers now have bigger expectations of what they want for free from that company before they will trigger and buy. Yeah. That's and, right. and content is a great way of, of bridging that and creating that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you were going to put in a bunch of money towards advertising or a bunch of money towards content production, uh, you know, that's a real conversation to have as far as what's going to be the most valid way and testing uh, the solutions before you make a big commitment is certainly something that's recommended. It is. Big conversations. That's what we do here on The Mix. Uh, we have enjoyed talking to Matt, uh, half of Matt. We will get back to the rest of Matt's brain next week. Uh, we are The Mix with Matt and Dan, and we will catch you next time. Later.